Good evening. This is Reverend Rosemary with you this evening, as we thank God for this wonderful opportunity that we have to His word. We are going to open our study with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this time of study and for your Holy Spirit that is at work in us, enabling us, O oh Lord, to look deeper into your word and to behold you and to become more like Jesus. I pray, Father, for revelation, for insight, for understanding, and for your enabling grace, O oh God, to help us to be doers of your word so that we might be changed, we might be transformed, be blessed, and become a blessing unto others. We give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah the Lord. Well, tonight we are looking into the topic, partakers of the promise. Amen. This promise refers to the inheritance that Jesus died to give us. And we know that God has a plan for us. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us that uh, God knows the plans or the thoughts that he has towards us to give us a future and an expected end. So we need, however, to, to know who we are in him so that we don't settle for a life that is below what he intends for us. And by this, I mean on you know, every level, spiritual, mental, uh, emotional, uh, physical, um, social, professional, um, and financial uh, prosperity that God has for us. You know, in life, there is no, um, he or she has not been challenged at some point. And it's a fact of life that no one is immune uh, to problems. And what we see in our life uh, may be a fact, um, a condition uh, at this moment in time. But what God wants is that the power of the truth of his word to change that condition is the same as the power of light against darkness. Uh, for example, when we look at John chapter one and verse five, we are told that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend it, amen? That word comprehend also means overcome, amen? So the darkness can never overcome the light. And when you look at it, for example, in a dark room, you don't have to try to run the darkness out. Actually, you cannot, except that you turn the light on. Amen. And once we do, then the darkness is dispelled. So our calling truly is uh, one of growing in faith in the absolute truth of God's word, amen? And when I say absolute, I mean for scripture to be interpreted through scripture and allowing 
the word of God to confirm itself. Hallelujah. It is not giving our own interpretation to the word of God, but allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the truth of God's word. And so we do that uh, to uh, allow the, us ourselves to grow in faith by not going to uh, looking for things of the world, amen, or even for, for looking to other people who, uh, let's say, we feel are men and women of God. Well, we thank God for them. Uh, however, we grow in faith in the word of God, in the absolute truth of God's word by going straight to the word and allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us. Amen. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. And uh, we also learn from the word of God that the word itself is a seed that is spirit, that is life. And that word has unlimited potential. Amen. And so topic tonight to be first of all that we believe the truth amen um and again the truth is god's word jesus says sanctify them by that truth by by your truth your word is truth john 17 and verse 17 and then jesus also says i am the way i am the truth i am the life um and so we see that the word is you know truth Amen. The word is Jesus. Uh, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. John 1, 1. Amen. Uh, we also see in John 14, it tells us, I mean, sorry, John 1 verse 14, that the word became flesh. So all this is to say that the word is spirit. The word is life. The word is Jesus. Amen. And the word is truth. And so when we if we decide to be partakers of God's promise, then we must be rooted and grounded in truth and have truth coming out of us, meaning that we must be about speaking the truth. Amen. Uh, this means that we must also confront the lies of the enemy, that those lies that are opposing us. Amen. And, um, and this is in every area, whether uh, it be let's say disease, infirmity, um, or any kind of lack, whatever that uh, opposition is, we must, we must come against it and resolve that it has to go, amen. Uh, for example, if the doctors were to tell us that there is nothing that they can do for some kind of uh, physical challenge that you may be experiencing, well, we must not receive their bad report, but we must receive the word of God and speak the truth to that situation. Amen. We have to choose to take God at his word and forget what anybody else says or has said. <clears throat> we have to become convinced that God and his word cannot lie. Amen. Actually, scripture tells us that in Titus 2, we are not only to, God cannot lie. Amen. So this means that uh, whatever God says, 
uh, stands. Amen. Um, you know, what God says actually controls the universe. And uh, furthermore, uh, as we relate this to ourselves, we have to see that what God says about us in his word is also a done deal. Amen. So God is just waiting for us to him and amen so we can have uh, you know all that his word promises us amen so this means that we have to be rooted and grounded in his word and plant the seed of his word in every situation that we face amen for example um, if we look at Psalm uh, 119 and verse 89, uh, we read this, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Amen. Uh, you see, God's word is indeed settled in heaven, but what God is waiting for is for this very same word that is settled in heaven to be settled in the lives of his people. Amen. And in addition to that, um, if we look at Psalm 89 and verse 34, God wants to reassure us of the certainty of his word. Um, he's, the Lord is speaking there to David, and this is what he says in Psalm 89, verse 34. He says, my covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. Amen. Hallelujah. So, you know, you know, one account after another in the Bible, God teaches and reminds us that his word is unbreakable. We're going to look at an example in the, uh, the book of Joshua, chapter 9, um, you know, showing a clear um, understanding that the leaders then had of about the indissolubility, uh, in other words, the permanence of God's promise. Um, and at that time, that referred to God's covenant with Israel. And so we are going to read uh, from uh, the account, an account here in Joshua chapter 9, uh, that has to do uh, with Joshua leading the children of Israel into the promised land. And we find out that um, there had been battles with people living in that area. And uh, the, Israeli, the Israelites had conquered, you know, and won every battle. And the news of their conquests had spread quickly. Now, there, were, there was a group there and in, uh, in an area called Gibeon, and um, these, these inhabitants, when they heard of the conquest of the Israelites, they became terrified, and, you know, they devised a plan, plan to avoid being conquered. And so several of them, of these Gibeonites, approached the Israeli camp. They were dressed in dirty worn out clothes. Uh, they were carrying old wine and moldy bread. 
And uh, they did that on purpose. That was to deceive uh, the Israelis. And um, actually they told their, the leader of the Israelis who was Joshua, that they were ambassadors from a distant land. And they asked that Israel enter into a covenant with them. And so uh, they, they were believed by the Israelites and uh, that covenant was made. But later on, when Joshua learned the truth about them um, and the, the, the people, the Israelites also, um, you know, the, the whole tribe heard about the lies of the Gibeonites. And so the Israelites murmured and they wanted um, that they were the Gibeonites to be, uh, to be killed. They didn't, they didn't want them spared. But you see the covenant that they made um, with the Gibeonites was absolutely binding. And it had to be honored, even though it was obtained through trickery. And so we read from Joshua chapter 9, uh, verses 18 to 23, what happened. I'm going to read that passage, uh, Joshua 9, verses 18 to 23. But the children of Israel did not attack them, because the rulers of the congregation had sworn to them, by the Lord God of Israel. And all the congregation complained against the rulers. Then all the rulers said to all the congregation, we have sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. Now, therefore, we may not touch them. This we will do to them. We will let them live, lest wrath be upon us because of the oath which we swore to them. And the rulers said to them, let them live, but let them be woodcutters and water carriers for all the congregation as the rulers had promised them. Then Joshua called for them and he spoke to them saying, why have you deceived us saying we are very far from you when you dwell near us? Now therefore you are cursed and none of you shall be freed from being slaves, woodcutters, and water carriers for the house of my God. Amen. Hallelujah. I read that passage from the New King James Version. Amen. Uh, in case you might think that the wording is a little bit different from the King James, this is the New King James Version. But you see, the point, however, that I'd like to make here is that if Israel had to honor their covenant, again, because they had an understanding of what a covenant represents, amen, that the God, word of God is binding. And so how much more will God, whose word is settled in heaven, honor his covenant with us? This is what we have to, to, to make out of that passage concerning this particular study here. Amen. And therefore, um, our position should be that we, you know, we, we, God is calling us to rest in him, knowing that his word has settled our past, our present, and future. And, you know, as we trust his word uh, for forgiveness, 
of, you know, past sins, that our faith must be established in his word that has prepared us to face our present with victory and fully also confident that our future is eternally secure in him. Amen. Um, I would like also to, um, to look at another uh, example. Uh, and in this case, we are going to look at the life, uh, you know, an account about Abraham, um, whom, you know, we all know that he chose to walk by faith um, under the blessings of the covenant that God had made with him. Amen. And uh, I would like, I'm going to stress from that passage, the important things that, again, that are connected to this study, amen, and how to become a partaker of the promise that God has made us. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Let's go ahead and read verses 2 and 3. Verse 2, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curse thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. Notice that God made a covenant with Abraham. Amen. But, and in doing so, the Lord told him to get himself out of his country, out of everything that he was familiar with, his family, his father's house, and to go to a land that God will show him. You see, when God calls us into his covenant, amen, he calls us to come out and to be separate unto him, to separate ourselves from everything that hinders us from fulfilling his purpose in our life. This is what he did with Abraham. God instructed Abraham, who came from a long line of idol worshipers. God instructed him to leave his home and go into an unknown land. Amen. And, um, you know, God will get us out of our comfort zone and we have to just decide that we're going to trust him. Amen. Um, because his plans for us are always good. Uh, God called, uh, called Abraham uh, and this required both obedience and personal commitment uh, to God in order to receive all that uh, God had promised him. And therefore, you know, to receive all of God's promises, Abraham had to leave all his past security. He had to come out relying on what, uh, not relying on what he could see with, you know, in the natural realm, but uh, he began trusting what he could not see in the natural, but that he could understand, he could see with his eyes of faith. 
And this is what the Bible calls us to do, um, to walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Um, actually, you can turn for that, that particular reference, I believe it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 that tells us that we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. And so, you know, in looking at um, Abraham again, because of his faithful obedience, uh, we can see that he became the father of uh, the entire Jewish nation, which includes the savior of all mankind. Hallelujah. And so, you know, all these blessings followed um, from what, from that moment when God spoke to Abraham and told him, come out. And what was Abraham's reply? He said, yes, Lord. Amen. So um, again, God, God's calling us is a calling to come out and to separate ourselves unto him, to lay aside uh, whatever idols that we might have, uh, power, prestige, position, whatever that might be, and say yes to him, amen, and walk under um, the, the blessing of his covenant that he has made with mankind. Amen. Actually, the new covenant is a covenant that God made with his son. And, in, and when we are in him by accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, amen, then we become partakers of that covenant. Amen. Therefore, um, we have to understand that when we enter into that covenant relationship with God, we must also separate ourselves from our past. and as well as from ungodly associations. Amen. Uh, notice what the Lord says to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to read uh, from verse 14 to verse 18. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 through 18. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what has fellowship? No, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Verse 16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Verse 18, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Amen. Hallelujah. So again, in verse 17, the Lord says, come out from among them and be ye separate and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. So we clearly see that the call from God uh, to separate ourselves is real. Amen. And we have to consider it a privilege 
and not a punishment. Amen. It is because God has an inheritance for us and he wants us to be partakers of fully of, of that inheritance. Amen. And therefore, the purpose of the separation, again, is to enable us to be partakers. Um, in Romans chapter 4 and verse 16, it says, you know, that to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed, um, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham. Amen. And so those who are of the faith of Abraham are called to be partakers of this promise. God wants that promise to be sure to all the seed. When we look at Abraham and his descendants, we see that they look forward to the promises of becoming a great nation. God had told them so. They believe God and they receive the blessings. Uh, you know, they look, they've looked to those blessings. Uh, for example, not only becoming a great nation, but having a great name, um, uh, to be empowered, to bless others, um, and also knowing that God would curse those who curse them. That's what we read in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. So these, these are the things that Abraham and his descendant look forward to. Amen. And they were also promised an eternal right to occupy land of prosperity into which God himself would bring them. Amen. God showed them the land. Um, if we look at Genesis chapter 13, verses uh, 14 through 16, amen, we see that God's blessing included the land as well. Um, let me, let's go ahead and read that passage. And the Lord said unto Ab Abram, after that lot was separated from him, says, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Amen. So we see here that indeed, th these are the blessings that, um, you know, the promises that Abraham and his descendants were looking forward to. Amen. And what we have to understand is that um, as it concerns us, as it relates to us, as born again believers, we too are partakers of all those same promises through Christ Jesus. Amen. Uh, you know, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says that all the promises of God uh, in Christ are yes and in him, amen, and to the glory of God by us. Amen. So, you know, it, it is the nature of God to bless us uh, and to bring goodness into our lives. Uh, you know, you know the, the psalmist, um, you know, knew it. David, he knew that. And, you know, he exclaims in Psalm 14 and verse 8, he says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. It is the nature of God to bless us. Amen. 
and, and as I said, to bring goodness into our lives. Uh, you know, God desires that his covenant people um, live the, the low place, uh, you know, where, 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 they, where they, you know, many of them are, uh, the wilderness where the enemy has placed them and for them to dwell under uh, an open window of his blessings. Uh, way, and again, back in the Old Testament, we see this um, revealed to us over and over again. Uh, for example, if you look at the book of the second book of Samuel, chapter nine, uh, in there, there is the account of, uh, again, of King David. And this time it has also to do with um, Jonathan's son, whose name is Mephibosheth. And in that chapter, what we see is a, a demonstration of a prior promise uh, remembered and a cherished covenant that is fulfilled. And this, of course, it was an inspiration of God, I believe, that you know, he spoke to the heart of, of David and we will see what happened in that passage. Uh, we are going to read Second Samuel chapter nine, uh, verses one through seven. And the background to this is that um, we know that David had made a covenant with uh, Jonathan, who was uh, King Saul's son. However, now uh, they had gone to battle, and Jonathan had died, and King Saul had died also, and, it, and all his family seemed to have, to have perished. And so in reading this passage, then we are going to understand uh, why, um, you know, I said that it was the Lord's move on David's heart to, be, to act like him. Amen. Um, let's go ahead and read the passage and we'll see. Second uh, Samuel 9, verses 1 through 7. And David said, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And um, he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan has yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Emiel in Lodabar. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Emiel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was to come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, mm. Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan's thy father's sake and will restore thee all the land of Saul, thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Hallelujah. Praise God. So what do we see here? We see that David 
restored Mephibosheth to a good future. Amen. He brought him into a good inheritance. Hallelujah. So just go, you know, as, as we now connect all of this, uh, just as Abraham had to leave Ur, amen, God called him out. So Mephibosheth had to also leave Lodebar. Uh, why? You see, the very name of that place means not a pasture. That is the meaning of the word Lodebar. Uh, Lodebar was the dwelling place of lack, of poverty, of dryness, and desolation. It was the wilderness. Uh, it was an empty field of no sowing and no harvest. And there was only one way out of Lodebar. And the only way out required that a prior promise be remembered and a cherished covenant be fulfilled. Amen. And you see, when in Lodibar, it appears that existing on stale crumbs is the only option. And so for Mephibosheth, Lodibar seemed like the end of the journey. Uh, it seemed like the final chapter in a tragic existence. He was lame. He was alone. He was the king's descendant, but he, was, he appeared doomed to an existence that was devoid of hope and harvest. Uh, you know, he may have been born royalty, but it looked as if he would die an outcast. That was his existence in Lodebar. However, because of the a prior promise that was remembered and a covenant that was fulfilled against all hope and overcoming every circumstance and beyond Mephibosheth's wildest dream, the impossible happened. Amen. He was called out of Lodibar by the king. And from that moment on, there would be no more crumbs in his life. And this is a picture of, you know, us, the body of Christ, you know, we sons of God, we are his people, and he's calling us to live Lodebar. King Jesus is calling us out of our Lodebar today and into his kingdom. The question is, will we live where we are and follow him? You see, covenant people are called to live under God's covenant blessings. We have a right to live in the land of blessings and prosperity that God will lead us to when we hear him, when we receive his word and we obey his word and we obey the leading of the Holy Spirit. This is how God has called us to live in this new kingdom where he has translated us. Amen. So we ought to receive him by receiving his word. Jesus says, the word that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. We cannot have you know, an encounter with the word and remain the same. And God is trying to take us to our promised land. But many who are his people, they are saying, they are looking, they are looking at their 
present circumstance, they are looking at themselves in low debar and they are saying, we can't do this or we can't do that or we can't afford this or this is too hard. What the Holy Spirit wants us to do is to think for a moment about where those negative thoughts came from. They didn't come from him. And also God wants us to know where they came from and where those thoughts, where they went. Where, well, we know as we you know, spend time with God, as we spend time in his word, uh, we allowed ourselves to be led by the Holy Spirit. We know that these negative thoughts came from the devil. So we know where they come from. And where did those thoughts go? They went right into our hearts if we receive them. Amen. And we think that, you know, sometimes we are just being honest by stating the facts, uh, by speaking about the situations that we are facing. But we have to realize that when we do that, we are not speaking the truth about what we have available to us through Jesus Christ. Don't forget, the just shall live by faith and not by sight. So if we think that we are being honest about the facts and we are dwelling upon them and we are speaking them, then we are not living out the truth of the word of God. And we are certainly not looking at what we have available to us through Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God tells us that God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory. Hallelujah. By Christ Jesus. That's in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. And then also that very same chapter, uh, Philippians 4.13 tells us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. Hallelujah. So when God tells us, you know, to do something we thought impossible, um, he's not waiting for us to say, I can't. He expects that we take him at his word. He's waiting for us to speak his word, which is creative. His word is uh, world changing and his word removes every hindrance and words. He's expecting for words that express all that we can do through him. Amen. And so we must be about meditating on, on those words, confessing them until the image of what God sees becomes so real in our heart that we cannot conceive of anything that is different. Amen. And the word is well able to do that. You know, it, the, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13 explains to us what the word does. Amen. Um, let's go ahead and turn to that passage. Um, Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts, of the heart. Verse 13, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Amen. Now, 
Notice how the word works. Amen. First of all, it's telling us, how, you know, who the word is. Said so the word is a person. Amen. He says nothing is hidden in verse 13 from his sight in speaking about the word. So the word is a person and the word is also living. The word is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And what does it do? It pierces to the division of soul and spirit, meaning that it separates, it can separate spirit and soul and joints and marrow and is a discerner of our thoughts and the intents of our heart. So the word is able to go into every part of our being, spirit, soul, and body. Amen. And, um, you know, uproot what God did not plant. Amen. And deposit more of God into our life. So when the word goes into our heart, it begins to grow inside of us. And over time, we and that word become one. Amen. And that is being what the Bible calls being fully persuaded. And this is what, how we are going to prevail. This is how we are going to rise to the top. This is how we are going to partake of God's promises. Amen. When we are at that place of being fully persuaded, where the word of God has taken hold of us, Amen. And we can see what God sees. We can speak like him. Amen. And we can follow through with actions that will call us to cause us to enter and possess our land. So we will not only, you know, see this land, but we and our generations will dwell in it. This is God's plan for us. Amen. Uh, remember um, John in John chapter 15. And verse seven, Jesus says this. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Amen. Hallelujah. If the word abides in us and we abide in the word, there will be such union. Amen. Um, such oneness with, with the word that we will speak under the inspiration of the word. Whatever we'll do will be the inspiration of the word. And so actually it is the word that is at work in us and through us to establish God's plans and purposes in our lives and through our lives. Hallelujah. So what we need to do is to make the commitment to stand on God's word, commit to speak this word until it is so real in our heart that we cannot think differently. We cannot speak differently. For out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth will, will uh, speak. And through speaking the word, we will con you know, continually, we will become fully persuaded. Amen. And God's word will come to pass in our life. You see, God is waiting. He's waiting to bless us. Um, in fact, that was his purpose in sending Jesus to die for our sin. Amen. So it's so important for us to have the word in our heart and the word in our mouth. Um, let me go ahead and read what, the, what we are told here in Romans chapter 10, verses 8 to 12, concerning uh, our confession of the word. Romans 10, verses 8 to 
12. But what said it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Amen. Hallelujah. So what are we looking at here? What is the word telling us? Well, this passage in Romans spells it all out. Amen. Um, for us. For example, the Greek word translated salvation in verse 10, where it says, for with your heart, a man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That word salvation comes from the root word sozo, S-O-Z-O, which simply means to save. Amen. And it's the word uh, soteria in the Greek, which means deliverance from sin and all the effects of sin, amen, that is present and future. Deliverance from sin and all, not some, but all the effects of sin. And so this word covers everything we need now and forever, amen. It covers our eternal salvation, our deliverance, our healing, our prosperity, our protection and soundness. It covers all blessings. It is much more than just getting a ticket to heaven when we die. Amen. It speaks of a quality of life now as well as then. This is important for us to know. It's now, starts now and continues then after we leave this earth, when we go to heaven. And so when we follow this path of believing and um, confessing the word, as revealed in Romans 10.10, we will partake of God's promises and succeed in every area of life. Amen. But I also want us to look at the next verse. Um, We read verses 11 and 12 as well. Amen. Um, And verses 11 and 12 say, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Amen. And then goes on to say, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. So we see here that we are told that we will not be ashamed. Amen. And God will bless us no matter, you know, where we are from, no matter, you know, what experiences we have, you know, in our past, what, no matter what our, our skin color our ethnicity, it has nothing to do with this. Amen. Uh, Believing in our heart is what matters. Amen. And speaking God's word. And, you know, God knows that believing in our heart won't always come easily. Uh, But he has given us the Holy Spirit. He has given us his word 
Amen. And it's vital that we keep working on, you know, allowing the Holy Spirit to have his way and doing all that is in our power to be in the word because what we believe in our heart will determine who we are and what we are doing in our future. Amen. Uh, we will speak our destiny from what we believe in our heart. The Bible tells us as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Amen. That's Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7. So let me end by saying that um, believing has no limits. Amen. Um, in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 29, uh, you know, we see here the, the account of two blind men who were crying uh, to Jesus to have mercy on them. And we see what Jesus told them. His answer to them was, according to your faith, be it unto you. Amen. And I believe that this is uh, God's word to us also today, that according to our faith, be it unto us. You see, because we must come to a place where we know that God's word overcomes any circumstance, uh, any lying words of the enemy. And so the Lord is asking us the same question, um, you know, that he, he put oftentimes to people who came to him, that do we believe that he can do the impossible? And we know that it was not, as we read this account here in Matthew 9, that it was not because of their age or education or um, family lineage. Uh, it wasn't, had nothing to do with their color, their gifts or talents, but it was because of their faith, because they were fully persuaded, amen, that these blind men received the sight, amen. So let us not put any limits on the ways and how much God wants to bless us. Let us not limit him by believing things that have nothing to do with what he says in his word, or by believing the facts more than God's truth. And if we are not living under the blessings of the covenant, we must right now get honest with ourselves about what we really believe and root any bad trees in our heart that contradict the truth. It is really up to us. God is waiting for us to believe him for all the amazing, incredible things that he wants to, you know, us to be and to do, uh, to experience his promises in, in every area of life and be people who are constantly tasting of his goodness in the land of the living. This is the inheritance that he has for us. This is what he wants for us to be partakers of the promise. Amen. And the question now, you know, is back in our court. Will we leave Lodebar and decide to follow him, to come out do like Abraham, amen, come out and be separate unto him and allow him to have his way in our lives, amen. Um, purpose to walk by faith and not by sight. 
because that's the only way that we will not only see the promise, inherit the promise, but dwell in that land that God has for us. Amen. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your visitation today, for your word and power release to help us, O oh God, uh, press forward with you, O oh God, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, we desire that our faith and hope be more active, O oh God, enabling us to walk in the blessings that you have prepared for us and purchased through the finished work of the cross. We thank you, Father, that you never fail or disappoint us. We thank you that by the enabling power of your Holy Spirit, we can and will stand in faith, knowing that through the power of your word in us, through our positive confessions of faith, that our hopes will surely manifest and it shall be as you have promised us in every area of our lives. Lord, we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise for all that you have done and you continue to do to glorify your name in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we thank God for tonight. We pray that this, has, um, this study has ministered to you and will continue to minister um, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we invite you to join us again next week at the same time. God bless you and have a good night.